Welcome to the My Life is the Medicine podcast, where we get off the never-ending search for more and take an inward gaze to find how our lives have already taught us profound truths. Rather than turning outward to experts or gurus, we talk with ordinary people and reflect inwardly about the life journey and everything felt, thought, and experienced along the way. Join us in casual conversation and reflective dialogue to discover how simply living a normal life, reflecting on our own life experiences, has already given us all the expertise we need. Hosted by Chuck Hancock, an ordinary human who has lived life in many roles, like psychotherapist, software engineer, school teacher, orphan, adoptee, father, brother, mentor, coach, ceremonialist, and more. Chuck is a weaver of wisdom from modern day psychology to ancient wisdom of indigenous and European roots, creating alchemy from everyday modern American life. Hello, my friend, listener, fellow human being, co-traveler. Welcome to the last episode of My Life is the Medicine for the year. In honor of the season, I want to explore this idea about stopping. As I'm sure most of you are aware, in the United States, this time of year, December, the days are short, and for some reason, things seem to really speed up. Our calendars fill up even more, our tasks fill up even more with things to do and buy and prepare for gatherings that we're either attending or hosting, both. It's really counterintuitive that actually this time of year, if we really listen to the cycles of our bodies and the seasons, it's really time to stop. It's really time to do nothing or at least a lot less. It's really time to just sit with people and enjoy some food, enjoy a nice warm fire if you're in a place where it's cool, and really do a lot less. But it seems to be really counter to the expectations of friends or families and jobs, finishing up end-of-the-year tasks. It seems like everything really speeds up. And as I've wrestled with this in my own life, I've come up with a lot of reasons why I think sometimes it can be hard for me to slow down and stop as well. And I was really just reflecting on it on a recent trip uh, that my partner and I took to celebrate our 20-year anniversary. Uh, We traveled internationally and uh, went to a place we'd never been before. And so on one hand, there was this drive and this push to see and experience as much as we can. And then on the other hand, being so tired and busy, we just really wanted to relax. And so there was this tension, this pull of, well, let's just get somewhere and relax. But then we also wanted to see as much of the country and the people and have the experiences as we could. So I was really wrestling with this firsthand. And I've been really reflecting on this the past three, four weeks since we got back. And as we get deeper and closer to the winter solstice here, it seemed like a really important theme to really talk about and reflect on. Because this time of year really does call for us to slow down and stop and reflect. 
And our inability to do that often can lead to us continuing on in a direction that we might not want to go. So I want to first invite you into an experiential exercise. If you're in a place where you can stop and slow down and even pause the recording for a moment, now would be a good time to to do that, to break out of whatever motion and momentum that you're in. Obviously, if you're driving, you probably don't want to do that, but maybe you can pull over somewhere and sit for, you know, three, four minutes, maybe it's all you need for this. Even as I'm suggesting pausing this recording and doing something, you might have some thoughts and feelings arise. Like, what's he thinking? That's not what I signed up for when I was turning on this podcast today. We have all kinds of stories around stopping, breaking out of norms and habits and routines and doing something different and doing nothing at all that really interfere with our ability to stop. And so this exercise, if you're willing to do it, will give you an opportunity to look at some of those for yourself. And more will probably come the more you sit with this theme. Like I said, I've been chewing on it for weeks now and really years. Um, Every time this time of year comes around, seem to reflect on this. If you want to pause the recording in a moment, I'll ask you to pause the recording and just take some time to sit and do nothing. Maybe close your eyes. Sometimes that really helps people to stop with the external stimulation of sight and sounds and smells and see if you can really just turn your awareness internal. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you'll know that I'm a fan of checking in with four different domains, especially very intentionally, like the thought domain, the emotional domain, the somatic domain, and the relational or transpersonal, the interface between you and what's outside of you, um, whether that's other people or systems or the mystery or spirit or whatever it is that's outside of you. But just take a few minutes to not necessarily change your state. It's not an intentional meditation or yoga class where you're going to try to be different than how you are right now, but it's literally just stopping and looking at how are you right now. Now would be a good time to pause the recording and do that until you're ready to resume. You might have jumped back in a little bit too soon, and if so, I'll invite you to pause once again and just sit and watch what thoughts and feelings and sensations and other awarenesses arise all on their own if you just stop and watch. So what did you notice? How was that to stop and do nothing for a few moments? I mean, that was literally like just a few seconds. You know, maybe you actually were a a good student and paused the recording and maybe even took a few minutes. But even then, what's a few minutes out of hours or days or weeks that winter and this dark time of the year really are calling us into? I know for me, what arises if I really stop is this awareness of some anxiety of but maybe I'm not going to get what I need or what I want. I've got to keep working towards it. I got to keep striving. If I stop, then what's going to happen? Sometimes, depending on what's going on in my life or clients' lives, the awareness of death can come up of like what it's going to really be like to stop 
And so that often has some anxiety with it for some people. So stopping is really hard in general, but then we have all these forces of habits and routines and expectations and societal and cultural norms that continue our our forward progress and our momentum, our agreements on, okay, maybe you do stop and have a meal with people that you care about. And when you do, do you really stop and see what arises to talk about? Or do you have kind of a checklist in your head of, okay, so how are you? How's the family? Maybe you're talking about your football team or the weather, or maybe you are a little bit more intimate and vulnerable with the people and you talk about challenges and uh, feelings and things that you're struggling with. And, you know, all of those are great things to talk about. But my question that I'm posing to you is, are you going through those things because they're habitual or are you going through those things because you stopped and you listened and that's what really arose for you to talk about? I run a group every week on Thursdays for folks that are really interested in learning more about themselves and their consciousness and and their psyche. It's called Tending the Waters of Psyche and Soul. And the only set agenda for that group is an invocation, a settling in to bring people's awareness from those habits to the present moment, just like I did with you, and then a closing ritual. And what comes up in the meantime is really intended to be what's alive for folks. You know, sometimes after the initial settle-in process, it is something like a struggle with a partner or parenting or a current life event. Sometimes it's something totally random uh, that feels important and meaningful. And by following the spontaneity and the spark that people are bringing, whether it's a enlivening, nourishing, joyful, excited spark, or a heavy, concerned, uh, painful spark, uh, we always find our way into something that's meaningful and healing and nourishing in our group time. But it really comes from that listening. And today, one of the things that came up was there had been a murder-suicide in our community, a 36-year-old father who uh, I guess had just recently got divorced or divorced at some point, um, had custody of the kids and killed the kids and killed himself. And what arose through the sharing of that and how it impacted one of our group members was deep grief, of course, this contemplation and empathy for men and sensitivity and support, as well as women and mothers for what they experience through these relational challenges and and what it must be like for this mother. And what that turned into was a spontaneous grief ritual, which I've had a few sources of, of how to do things like that. But one of the primary teachers and sources has been someone I've mentioned on here, Elder Maladoma Somme from Burkina Faso, West Africa. And it just so happens that tomorrow, December 9th, is the one-year anniversary of his death. And I was already planning on doing some sort of a, a ritual 
just for myself and my relationship with him at home tomorrow, but to be able to do it in community in this space that we already had carved out was a huge gift uh, for me personally and for the group members that wanted to work with some of their own grief uh, from family members and friends that they'd lost and as well as the loss in our community that just happened this week. But it took being willing to stop and listen to what was alive and what arose. And it took my willingness as a facilitator to see and hear the opportunity and to not just continue with the conversation but to hear that this was a need from somebody and then somebody else had a need for some sort of experiential exercise and together we co-created a ritual in the time that we had with the materials that we had with no prior planning to really honor the, the grief and the loss and the feelings and the expressions that needed to come through. And those expressions, of course, were grief and tears and anger and outrage as well as love and compassion towards a lot of different people. And at the end of the ritual, uh, I'll just speak for myself, I know I felt after shedding the tears and working with the grief, I felt much more alive and much more grateful for uh, the opportunity to um, be alive and to have people to share these deep, meaningful things with. And that's different than sometimes I've planned grief rituals, and it takes a lot of work to get into the space of, ooh, I don't know if I want to grieve right now. I'm not accessing the grief right now. It was responsive to what was happening from the stopping and listening versus the having a set agenda and planning things, which is exactly my understanding of how the funeral rituals go in Burkina, where Maladoma is from, is that when someone dies, the village stops to honor not just that person, but all of the loss and the grief that is happening at that time. And it's said that, you know, if you don't do that, then you really get bat-logged and um, stuck and stagnated. Um, so it's a really good idea to take the time to do that because that helps you to be able to flow with a lot more energy and freedom afterwards. Obviously, the trigger for this grief ritual today was a really extreme example. Um, suicide is often seen as a really strong force of anger and aggression turned inward. It often doesn't feel like that. I've certainly been depressed and suicidal in my life. Often someone, and again, I'll just speak from my own experience and not speak about all my clients, that like when depression has gripped me, it feels like a numbing or a lifelessness. It doesn't feel like anger or aggression. But what it really kind of is, is a passive aggression and a passive aggression that's taken to such high extremes that it's really like a, a freezing shutdown until eventually something pops and the suicidal ideation or plans or even actions sometimes pull through that if we really stop and not just continue with the pattern of, of numbing and depressing, um, we might get to feel and see and experience some of those things. But I know, especially for me, when I've been in the grips of depression, it's been really hard to stop because then you feel more pain. I felt more pain. And, and uh, so stopping is the last thing that you want to do. And the 
other end of the uh, story that I shared there was murder. This father murdered his children, and, and murder is the extreme acting out and expressing outward of aggression. So this murder-suicide really was an extreme aggression that really had nowhere to go but, it, but to explode in both an inward and an outward expression. That, you know, if the person, if we are able to actually stop and listen and feel and express, it doesn't have to turn to such extreme actions like that. Essentially, what it's representing is, is a war. And that's a very easy to see and, and tragic and gruesome and painful war uh, that uh, we can point to through that example. But if you're anything like me and a lot of the people that I work with, that war is happening inside of us with different parts of us all the time. Probably one of the most common ones I hear these days, especially with the abundance of self-help and positive affirmations, is this uh, war between the actual pain and tragedy and darkness of a situation, whether that's something in your own personal life or something happening in our world, like uh, the school shootings or the war in Ukraine or whatever um, is happening um, those things have pain, and that pain is real. And then sometimes we talk ourselves out of that and get into a war or a battle by saying, well, it's not that bad. At least it's not bad for me. I should be grateful because that didn't happen to me directly. I should just be grateful because I have this opportunity and I have these friends or I have this or whatever, and just look at the bright side. So we get in this battle and this war within ourselves between looking at the bright side and feeling the pain of the dark side. And if we can actually just stop and realize that they're both really true and be able to feel both how difficult it can be, but also how beautiful it can be, rather than having the gratitude or positivity be an intellectual exercise, we have a totally different experience. And again, I wanted to share the ritual example from my group because sometimes I'm not, I'm definitely not recommending that everybody just stop and feel their pain right now because without the proper support, socially or with a ritual or ceremony with friends or family that get it and can understand and hold space, that pain can be overwhelming. And sometimes that leads us to act out uh, with um, things that can be harmful for ourselves or others uh, like self-harm or abuse or aggression. So we really do need the right container for those things uh, for sure. In a less extreme example but also still really the same dynamic, in my opinion, is conversations that we have with people that get emotionally charged, whether it's our romantic partners, our parents, our children, even friends. When we have strong emotions that get involved, it's really hard to stop and listen and really understand and reflect on what the other person is saying and really hear them and not just react and respond either with a planning of what we're going to say or our own emotions or demanding that we get what we want or what we need 
or responding with a hurtful statement right back because what they just said hurt us. There's all kinds of reasons why we have misunderstandings and misunder- uh, miscommunications with people. And at the most simplest, it comes down to this same thing that we've been talking about. We just have to stop. If we follow whatever energy, thought, sentence, response is happening with us and just respond automatically with that, most often we're going to get more conflict and more war. But when we can stop and pause and reflect and maybe even share that reflection and understanding with somebody else. So what I hear you saying is this, did I get that right? And then maybe stopping again to see now that we know we're actually on the same page and we're actually connecting, how is that stirring a feeling or a thought in me? So then I can respond to the other person from myself and not based on an automatic pattern. We're gonna have a totally different conversation. In all the couples that I counsel, like this is the most simple thing and it's the hardest thing. People want to get heard. They want to make sure that they're seen. They want to express themselves. And it's really hard to just stop, especially I think when people are paying me money to come sit and help, they want to get somewhere. They want to get an outcome. And Um, that gets in the way, you know, there's all kinds of stories, like I said, at the beginning of this podcast of why we can't stop when that's really exactly what we need to do is to just stop. So the last thing that I want to talk about for today is tie this back together in the bigger picture for this time of year, this winter solstice, December into January, and even into February to me like this, especially in Colorado here that, uh, it's how the season seems to be really inviting us to to go a lot slower and do a lot less and really reflect. You know, we have this age-old tradition in our culture of New Year's resolutions, which, you know, they can be helpful in a way of, okay, here's some things I want to do different with my life. And they're also ripe for having that self-critic come in and have more of a battle, Um So we have the right idea and the right impulse to reflect and to set some new direction and intentions, but I want to encourage us to really use this theme of stopping and stopping well and stopping maybe for a long time so that we don't just jump into something that is just uh, the same old pattern, but in a different form or the same pattern that's going to perpetuate the war. Like the war, the classic is I'm going to drink less, you know, but then more feelings come up and then eventually we start drinking again, or I'm going to eat less and exercise more. Um, the, I mean, these are the two most classic around New York's New Year's, right. You know, and if we actually just stop and reflect and feel into like, well, what is driving this impulse to eat more? What is driving this impulse to drink and feel that feeling? You know, what is actually a healthier expression of me that isn't based on some sort of ideal or superiority or better version or more grandiose version or something that's shinier that I heard on a podcast or saw in a magazine or a television show? Like, but what is 
the actual expression of me that's more healthy, more whole, more in alignment, that's emerging on its own. And when I say we have to stop and listen and wait for that, I don't necessarily mean you sit in a cave for days or weeks on end, although there is some value to a practice like that. Um, but it, it's to wait, to hear the impulse of, oh, maybe it's this. And then you sit with it for a little bit, for a few days. And if that same thing arises again and again and again, okay, maybe it is it. But if something arises one minute and then something else arises the next minute and then the next day something else arises and then the next day it goes back to the other thing and then the next day it goes back to the other thing and the next day it's something new what you've got is actually a lot more chaos and noise like so i encourage you to well just keep stopping until it becomes clear Another exercise that really comes from some of the authentic movement and conscious dance or, or even the Quaker spiritual practice, you know, is to just stop and wait until something moves you. Then you can be more sure that it's maybe not your ego and maybe not your conditioning and your patterns that are driving the show. And even then, you still have a conscious choice in the matter. You don't have to just act on every impulse. As we were talking about earlier, some impulses are really destructive in big ways and small ways. But to stop and wait and listen and then have a choice in how we respond, we're going to have a totally different experience. And the more we can wait, the longer we can wait until we're more clear, the more likely we're going to have a different outcome than responding from uh, some sort of habitual pattern. Now, I want to circle back to what I was saying earlier about depression. Some people, if your personality or, or psyche is in a, a mode of being more stuck and frozen, what I'm saying actually isn't helpful. Probably what needs to happen is more movement and more impulse but again, hopefully based on something that's a little bit new and something that's arising organically and authentically. So I would encourage a little bit more movement in that, but with still more conscious awareness and conscious choice around, okay, what is the impact of this going to be? Is it possibly going to be harmful for myself or someone else? I might want to just hold on to that a little bit and just feel the feeling that's driving it. Those feelings have a lot of energy in and of themselves, and that can create some more movement so you can get back to this place of being able to listen to something other than the habitual patterns as well. So sometimes you do have to move a little bit more but it's tricky to realize, like, is your stopping truly a stopping of action and movement? Like, for some of us, it really is. Or is your stopping a stopping of habitual patterns so that something else can arise or some combination of all of the above? So the last thing that I'm going to say about this for today is really harvest this time of stopping. If you have the desire to fill your schedule and you've been filling your schedule, stop. If you're somebody that habitually doesn't have a full schedule, then your stopping is to maybe reach out and do something a little bit different. And for everybody, this time of year is a great time to really look back and reflect. 
reflect back on the year by going through your calendar, going back through your journals, reflecting back on the past few years, reflecting back on your life in general, but really taking some time to reflect and seeing what arises out of the reflections rather than seeing what arises out of the drive to improve or the drive to have something different. The more we see what arises out of our reflections and what arises out of our experiences, the more we might tap into the energy and the wisdom and the life force that's in those experiences, rather than getting driven by psyche's habitual patterns from our defenses and our protective patterns and our desires to avoid pain and suffering. And the more we'll avoid being driven by society's patterns, which often have the same motivations, feel better, don't feel bad, be better, all of those things. Really take the time to stop, reflect, and let whatever new life and new impulse come through you that's ready to grow based on the past seeds that have been planted in the past soils that have been tended to. It doesn't have to be something new and better all the time. In fact, I suggest that the new and better story is probably a product of our societal conditioning or our desire to get out of some other past experience that we found unpleasant. So I would get really skeptical if the answer to what's next is something totally brand new and totally shiny and totally better. How do we know that's not perfectionism? So that's what I'm going to be doing. I'll be taking a break from the podcast for definitely a few weeks, maybe two to three months. Uh, we'll see when that impulse to create a new episode arises and when the next guest presents themselves that has some story and medicine to share. And I'll just trust the process. And in the meantime, be reflecting on my own life, my own experiences of this year, until it becomes really clear to me what those next steps are as well. Just like I've been talking about all episode. So take good care of yourselves this winter season. Really take some time to reflect. And remember, it's okay to stop. Sometimes that's absolutely the best thing to do. Until you know that it's time to go again, and where to go, and why to go, it's okay to stop. Thank you for listening to My Life is the Medicine. We hope our guest story this week has inspired you to look closer at your own life. Maybe you heard some of your own story and their story through many of these experiences are common, ordinary experiences. And maybe something about their story was unique, which also might have inspired you to think about how your life, too, is unique. Either way, we hope our story today has helped you to see that your life, too, is the medicine. If you'd like to consider diving deeper into your own story and sharing your story with others, we hope you might consider joining us on a future episode. And if not, that's okay too. We hope you'll continue listening, keep reflecting, and help you see how your life too is the medicine. Take good care, and we'll see you next time.